right, another Monday, and that means another macro episode with you, Sharo. And we're going to talk about the big week ahead. It's really the big central bank week. And uh, with the ECB hiking last week, we have energy prices on the rise. Um, uranium prices on the on the rise. That's uh, important for electricity prices coming from nuclear power. There's a lot of action this week, and we're going to talk about the uh, the big central bank shower. But before you, we we start with um, with the FOMC and the Fed, which is obviously the, uh, the the biggest bank of them all. It's worth mentioning that on on Thursday we'll have three small central banks uh, from Switzerland and Sweden and Norway. They all expected to to hike 25 basis points so all the small ones will follow what happened last week from the um, from the ecb so with that out of the way i think we should go straight to the fmc rate decision which is on on wednesday it's at 1800 gmt and the market right now is uh is sort of pricing no change shower but this is definitely not an easy week for central banks and definitely not an easy uh, period for central banks, given the the latest inflation print and energy prices. So, how do you how do you see this this uh, rate decision for the FMC and taking everything into account that happened over the past week? Yeah, absolutely, Peter. Such a such a big week ahead, right? And I think the decision really is potentially more straightforward for the Fed than some of the other central banks. But like you said, right, it is one of the, it is the biggest um, central bank, so d- certainly gets uh, most of the focus. And you know, data has been just all over the place. We've seen the disinflation um, starting to be a little bit, you know, bumpy in this um, final leg of the move towards that two percent inflation target. We have seen labor market showing some very early signs of cracks as well. Um, but on the headline, you know, things are still looking okay. GDP growth is still looking s- strong, whereas, you know, we we discussed that as well, that, you know, under the surface, a lot of lower and middle income, you know, and SMEs are potentially already in recession. So, um, I mean, of course, a lot to ponder for, uh, you know, Jay Powell as well. And uh, like you said, our markets are pricing in uh, a no change for this meeting. Uh, but I think really the focus for the markets is on, the projections, what do we get in terms of those growth and inflation numbers? And where does the Fed see interest rates in 2024 and maybe also in the in the longer run? So if I just dig deeper a little bit into the numbers the, that we got in the June projections for code PCE for 2023, the projection was 3.9%. And we are still a little bit away from that with 4.2% in July. Uh, so can we really get to that 2.6% projection for 2024 or do we see a tweak there? I think that's really important. I mean, all these stagflation risks, they continue to, you know, get, um, you know, more more and more difficult for central banks to navigate at this point. Uh, so whether we really get a pushback on the three or four, four almost four rate cuts priced in for next year, um, or do, you know, because of course the Fed has been talking about that higher for longer, right? Uh, so they, they need to kind of uh, show that in their dot plots as well. And if we do see a higher terminal rate projection for 2024, that could obviously send a message on higher for longer. But like I said, you know, growth is also under the surface, starting to lose some traction. So really tricky one out there. And I think potentially one last point for me would be about uh, you know, watching on that neutral run rate. There's been a lot of talk about um, R star or whether the Fed really kind of is 
you know, expected to change their long run forecast for the Fed fund target rate as well. Uh, I think that that may, uh, it, it could really be a big message if we were to get that, I think. So um, I think, yeah, despite that pause being priced in, there's a lot that could come out of this Fed meeting. Yeah, I think you're right. And as you know, the market is is more undecided on what to happen in the on the November in the November meeting where potentially they could hike one last time time, but that obviously will be depending on the on the data that is incoming. And I think you're right as well with the you know, a lot of people have been talking about this R star, which is uh, it's the fluffy academic um discussion and, and measurement is basically, you know, the neutral the neutral interest rate that sort of is the equilibrium point where everything is in balance. Um and I think for the, for the Fed, I mean, if 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 the inflation structurally has changed, then obviously at one point they will to maybe have to admit that in order to keep their uh, to keep their integrity. Um, and yeah, I, I I find it really tough to be uh, to be the Fed. I, I agree with you, Shao, that that maybe this meeting is is probably more easier for them. But let's say a couple of months forward, we are in November. The fiscal cycle has turned. Energy prices are still for all these different reasons, you know, they, you know, the U.S. putting a, a ban on using Russian uh, enriched uranium for nuclear power plants, sending up power prices on nuclear power, oil prices mm. are galloping. Then suddenly you have a very ugly mix where you have headwinds from one side of the economy and then you still have, you know, inflation in the services sectors, maybe some labor dynamics are weakening, but it's just a very complicated picture. I, I mean, yeah, I think it's a very... Very tough uh, position. There's also that, uh, you know, paradox, right, Peter, that, you know, very high interest rates, they could also undermine the inflation fight. I mean, so far, we already always think of uh, monetary policy uh, working on the demand side. But uh, uh, if if the supply side starts getting to be affected, you know, because of a pullback in innovation and stuff like that, I think tighter financial conditions, all of that could play a role. And supply is already too vulnerable after the pandemic, after the trade war driven recalibrations that are happening. And uh, there's this whole paradox whether, you know, these high rates could obviously move that supply side equation to get inflation back into the picture as well again yeah yeah that's a that's a good point um you i mean we, we're going to talk a little bit because it's part of the mix and the dynamic that is out there so we're going to talk about the bank of england and the bank of japan but before we talk about that i think it's worth mentioning china as well because although the chinese economy is very interlinked with the the world we don't and i'm say hopefully we don't have that same feedback loop as we had during the 2008 when Lehman Brothers went uh, went bankrupt and you know, caused a, a global credit event. Hopefully we don't have that same mechanism or link or at least it's not as strong. But you know, China is also quite mixed at the moment, right? You're seeing some stabilization in the numbers, but you still have this overhang of uncertainty and debt on the local government side and the and the real estate side. So what what what's your thoughts on uh, on China as we go into this week and and you know how it impacts the the macro picture and also the picture for central banks? Yeah, I mean, very, very complicated picture, like you said, right? I mean, we've been getting these very uh, early signs of some improvement in activity levels. Last week, you know, for the data for August started to be a little bit better than expectations. Um, and I think the other story about Central Bank, um, a little bit more encouraging, I would say, is that they are trying to expand into their stimulus toolkit. So uh, we're not just going after rate cuts now, although we did get another uh, triple R cut as well last week. But uh, I think they're trying to kind of 
of uh, try many different types of measures. So we've had liquidity operations as well on Friday. Um, and I think the focus uh, that is clearly coming out from these measures is also that they don't want to announce stimulus measures that continue to uh, weigh on the Chinese yuan as well. Uh, I think that's something we need to watch for because that is that really has the potential to turn around that dollar momentum also that we've been seeing so far. I mean, I think that maybe going a little bit too far, whatever the PBOC really does, I think for now could only support the yuan rather than obviously strengthen it because we still have that um, you know, poor economic performance. We still have that divergence in monetary policy between the Fed and the PBOC. Uh, but I think, yeah, I mean, they do have that um, announcement coming due this Wednesday on loan prime rates as well, uh, which the market is not expecting that there will be any other cuts. And rightly so, like I said, they've been using a lot of different measures for property, for other sectors of the economy as well. So that does make um, cutting loan prime rates a little bit less urgent for now. Uh, but I think, yeah, we should be ready to just be surprised uh, by the kind of measures that the Chinese authorities use and whether that can really bring that tactical turnaround in sentiment, uh, you know, as the economy really gets supported by those measures as well. Yeah, I really see uh, China as a big, very big X factor to uh, to all of this. Um, okay, so if, if we if we talk about the Bank of England meeting that's on on Thursday and it will come at uh, 1100 GMT. The market is expecting a hike of 25 basis points to five and a half percent. That would basically take the Bank of England to the same level as the Fed, and means it also means that the the um, the UK economy operates with a policy rate that is I would say meaningfully higher than what you see on the uh, on the continent. And what do you do, Shower, if you're Bank of England at this point? Because <laughs> I mean, you 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 really have a weakening economy. You you yeah. I mean, many would argue you shut yourself in the foot uh, with the whole Brexit. A lot, it's a very complicated picture, to say the least. I mean, <laughs> what do you what are you expecting from the Bank of England meeting, and what do you expect for the UK economy? In that context. Totally. And, you know, I mean, I think complicated, very complicated and also further uh, by what the ECB did last week, you know, with their uh, dovish hike that they announced. Now, we don't we don't know whether that is going to prove to be a policy mistake or not, uh, but it certainly means that their growth outlook is weakening. And that also, again, then brings further downside for the UK economy as well. But I mean, I think for me, the, the sense is really still that, you know, it's it's really difficult to weigh in the growth and inflation pictures for the UK. Uh, but for now, the kind of numbers that we're getting on wages, on services inflation, I would say it is pointing to the need for more rate hikes, um, but, you know, and potentially uh, sooner than later, before the economic conditions really deteriorate from here in a big way. Um, I think, uh, and also given that markets are pricing in, you know, this rate hike this week with 80% probability. Um, but I mean, I saw this report that came out on Friday, actually very interesting that uh, the confidence of UK in the Bank of England, it has slipped to record lows because of yeah, high inflation, because of the cost of living crisis and such. So I think that's potentially one reason why, why the commentary that is coming out of uh, Bank of England uh, officials these days has been a little bit less hawkish. In fact, they've been talking about 
the end of the tightening campaign as well. So uh, I think certainly we are at a point where the focus will shift to growth uh, pretty soon um, or no growth pretty soon, uh, I should say. But um, yeah, I think uh, that's, that's again the signal that we need to watch for in this week's meeting, you know, uh, even if we get that hike, are they kind of completely, you know, shutting away the possibility of further rate hikes as a, at a point where energy prices are proving to be such a big variable again, or they kind of, yeah, I mean, you know, keep that door open uh, despite those stagflation risks rising. Yeah, I think it, it, I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast as well and internally, Charles, I mean, these, all these policy decisions, they all operate with a lack. And um, I mean, we know there is a, a significant lack. It could be up to one year, depending on the underlying condition in the economy from an interest rate decision from the from the central bank. So just wondering, I mean, the, the UK economy is not like if you look at the PMIs and some of the indicators, it's it and you see the slowdown in the recession in Germany. I mean, you I just I just wondering why you would tighten even more because obviously on the on the demand side of things, things are improving from an inflation point of view that it's you know the economy is is not as hot any longer especially not in europe and so and that's also i think partly what was the market's sort of thinking on the ecb are they really making a policy mistake here by hiking given the trajectory of some of the key economies in europe i think that it, that's an open question it's an, and it's a question for, for bank of england but i think in a bank a central bank that is in completely different situation and i think holds the biggest potential risk to the market or could be an event that really kicks down something is obviously the bank of japan um that will um that will also report or make a uh, you know and a decision and that's on um that's on friday it, bank of japan is still keeping its interest rate a policy rate extremely low here um shower and they have yield curve control inflation is on the move and because of the central bank's policy the currency is left to absorb everything and the dollar yen right now the uh, the the currency pair is trading right now as I, as i'm speaking 147 and a half more or less and that's high for the range we know policymakers recently have been have been arguing or have been um, saying that this is not really a good sign they would like to see that change but then does that force the bank of japan to to change on the central bank so what what do you see going into this meeting i'm certainly i think boj has the most potential to surprise um, you know, and given the significance that Japan has for global bond markets, it certainly carries very high event risk, I would think. But, uh, you know, the domestic demand is really weak and wage growth isn't where they really want to see it. Uh, to call inflation to be domestically driven and structurally high. Uh, so for those reasons, BOJ still has, you know, uh, enough room to stay dovish for now as they have been. Uh, and especially after, you know, they just announced a tweak in July. So probably they will be patient uh, this week and kind of see the effect of that playing through some more. Uh, but certainly I think FX is the big concern for them now. And uh, especially if uh, the Fed, you know, like we discussed, if it continues to be hawkish despite the pause, uh, this week, that would potentially mean some more pain as well for the Japanese yen. I think for this this week's meeting, uh, markets are really seeking clarity on those comments that we got out of uh, Bank of Japan uh, Governor Ueda uh, over the, the previous weekend. 
you know, when he talked about a quiet exit uh, from uh, the negative interest rate policy, he said that we may have sufficient data by the end of the year to judge whether we can really end negative rates or not. So that has obviously brought forward the expectations of the Bank of Japan ending negative rates to early 2024. Now, whether he follows up on those comments or not, his peers did not really follow through in the last week. Uh, so if he if he does, you know, talk a little bit more about this, hints at something like this, then that can certainly fuel more speculation that the Bank of Japan could exit these negative interest rates by early 2024. But if he doesn't, then, you know, this whole commentary that came out of him would be really seen uh, the, as it was intended to just prop up the yen for the time being. And then I think the yen beers would just come back, you know, for some more revenge from the Bank of Japan. Yeah, very interesting uh, perspective, uh, Sharo, and um, a very interesting central bank meeting. Uh, although the market is not pricing in any big uh, surprises, it's as I think as you say, it's, it's all about you know the language, and um, yeah, we'll we'll watch those data. Okay, very big week ahead of us. I think this is a, this is a wrap. So you know, this is a central bank week. Follow the meetings on Wednesday from the Fed, Thursday from Bank of England, and then on Friday from Bank of Japan. And um, watch those language and see how the market interprets what the central banks are thinking about. Is the rates uh, are higher for longer? What about peak rates, etc.? It's going to be a busy and interesting week. Stay safe out there. Thank you for listening. Thank you.